Amen. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Dale, for leading in the congregational singing tonight. Well, we're in the very last chapter of the book of Acts, Acts 28. We saw on Sunday that uh, Paul finally made it to Rome. Finally, right? It takes, uh, takes a lot of time to travel back in that day and age. And uh, even back then, uh, even with his trip, uh, he had extenuating circumstances with the, uh, the storm and the shipwreck and uh, being waylaid by uh, unfavorable breezes and winds and things of that nature. And so really we're going to finish up our series in the book of Acts tonight by looking at two verses, actually three. I'm going to go back and reread one verse to give the context, and, and then we're going to look at the last two, and then we're going to see how this applies to us tonight here at Anchor Baptist Church. Acts chapter 28, first reading verse 16, it says, When we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. Then drop down to verse 30, the end of the chapter. It says, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Well, Paul is incarcerated. He is kind of in a quarantine without an illness, if you would. Uh, and so we might be able to relate a little bit to Brother Paul here and where he finds himself. As I was reading and praying about tonight's message, my mind went back to a prayer letter that we received from one of our missionaries about a month ago for safety and security reasons. I won't, I won't mention the missionary by name, but... Uh, that won't matter for what I want to use it for tonight. Some of you will be familiar with this story if you uh, get this missionary's prayer letters. But the gist of it is this. Our, our, the missionary uh, has a ministry. Uh, a lot of it has to do with young people in a, a religious school where the Lord Jesus Christ is taught. And this missionary has an opportunity to uh, use musical abilities to to teach the music lessons to the young people and really has en endeared herself to them uh, for the years that she has been there. Uh, the, the letter goes like this, and I'll just, I'm going to kind of summarize it, uh, and then you'll see where we're going with this. Uh, there was a birthday celebration, as I understand, for her, and she had invited about four young people to come over and celebrate with her and she was making her own cupcakes and things of that nature and sort of at the last minute one of them contacted her and said hey do you mind if I I bring a friend they they're not a Christian and her response was absolutely no problem and so they have this little time and you could tell that while there was a lot of jubilation and celebration and references made to the Lord Jesus Christ during this. The unsaved individual is a, a tad bit uncomfortable. And then 
added to this uh, an, another group of, of four or so that, that came a little bit later and added to this uh, group of people. And, and then, while all this was going on, a, a couple uh, stops by or mentions to her that she had, the wife had gone in to have a medical procedure, and while she was there, she was tested for COVID. And she says, and I was shocked to find out that I tested positive. And of course, she had been, you know, with this group during this birthday celebration and an extended period of time. And so the, uh, the answer in this country where this was taking place was a demanded 14-day quarantine by everybody. You could go home if you could go to a place where you would have your own room and your own personal bathroom. If you couldn't do that, then you were stuck where you were. And, of course, all the, all the people had to stay here with this missionary. And she was left with figuring out, okay, where do I put everybody? How are we going to make this work for the next two weeks? How are we going to do food? All these things. But she's a master planner, and she came, came up with all this. And she's thinking, you know, this isn't what I planned. You know, I had this all planned out down to the cupcakes and the games and everything else like that. You know, got it all under control. And then this happened. This was not in the plan. She makes a point of saying that. Well, through all of this, there's a time while they're hunkered down of saying memory verses and giving testimonies and they're taking chores. And this unsaved individual is going from being uncomfortable to finally a place where the testimony of the people, the, the other young people as well as the missionary, uh, has a dramatic impact on this unsaved young man. And he comes to a place where he is gloriously saved, comes to know Christ as his Savior. And the letter goes on to explain how that now, this is the individual that more than anybody else, you know, all, everybody else is already a Christian. He's the most celebratory, the most cheerful, the most enthusiastic. He was this newborn babe in Christ. And as she ended her letter, she's like, you know, and, but, but this wasn't the plan. And then she asked, or was it? And I just love the way she ended that because it really makes the point. You know, here they were, it's like, oh no, everything's ruined. You know, we're, we're stuck with each other. But yet, during this time, she was able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was exactly what the Lord had planned. It was exactly what the Lord had planned. Uh, that young man needed that kind of concentrated fellowship and salt and light all around him, probably, to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to talk tonight about serving while you're stuck. Now, it doesn't have to be because of a quarantine. By the way, another clever thing, one of the people came up in the group is they decided to call themselves the quarantine, you know, kind of a play on words, which I thought was kind of clever. It doesn't have to be because of a pandemic that we are, you know, uh, restricted in our ability to move and go places. It could be something entirely different. I remember a time that I found myself traveling. Uh, I was going upstate New York to do a wedding for uh, a couple in our church at the time. And I remember getting on the plane and 
I was flying a, an airline that is known to have uh, very tight seating. You know, I think they figured out a way to squeeze a whole extra row into a normal uh, airline than they should have, you know. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's, it's just 45 minutes once we get off of the tarmac and land again in the other place, you know. Of course, you spend exactly that same amount of time taxing and everything else too, right? But, and, uh, and I'm just thinking, okay, maybe I can get some reading done and, and God put me, you know, next to a, a chatty Kathy, right? And I'm thinking, oh no, this, again, like our missionary, this was not what I had planned. But it ended up being a great opportunity to share Jesus with this person. Now, didn't have them make a profession of faith at that moment, but left them with a testimony, a clear presentation of the gospel, and pointing them to something to read to follow up. Who knows? You know, maybe that person will greet me in heaven someday. But it was definitely, even though I was stuck <laughs> in that seat on the airline, it gave me an opportunity to minister. It gave me a chance to serve. Paul's stuck, right? He's stuck. He's in house arrest. Uh, commentators believe that the reference here is that Paul was able, out of his own pocket, to be able to rent a place. You know, the government wasn't going to do this for him. Maybe he was making some tents because that was his trade. He made tents, repaired tents for people. And so, you know... Uh, if they were providing rations or something like that, you know, he had a place where people could come um, and, while he awaited his hearing in front of Caesar. And the Bible indicates here that he didn't waste any time. Verse 31 tells us how he spends his time serving the Lord. So I think there's some lessons we can learn from Paul's example here as the Holy Spirit chooses to end the story of the Acts of the Apostles on this note. This is how the story wraps up for us, it, Paul, in this setting. So what can we learn about when we're stuck? Well, sometimes when we're stuck, we can have unprecedented ministry. Just like our missionary had an unprecedented ministry with that young man during covid and Paul seems to be having unprecedented ministry uh, there in the Roman Empire. Uh, so we can find ourselves being stuck in some way and yet being able to reach out to someone. What do we do when we find ourselves in this unprecedented opportunity? Well, what did Paul do? First thing I see him doing here is He's speaking of the spiritual realm. He immediately is talking not about the weather. He's not talking about, you know, you know the, the latest uh, ball scores. You know, he's not talking about the politics, the debates, the, the polls. You know, he is getting right down to business with people. And the Bible says here that he talked to them about the kingdom is the idea here. He was preaching the kingdom. The people of Paul's days were vitally interested in the empire. If you asked them and mentioned the word kingdom, they would immediately perk, their interest would be perked. They want to hear about the kingdom. But they think you're talking about the political kingdom of that day. Paul's talking about a much better kingdom. People 
do have an interest to be free. Now, Roman citizens were free. That was something that was a perk for being a Roman citizen. But not, not all Romans that lived in the empire had that great status of being a citizen. In fact, half, more than half of the people that lived in the city of Rome were not citizens. Uh, many of them were slaves even. And so a lot of the people, now while they might have had freedom to come and go and even come visit Paul, if you started talking to them about a, a kingdom that involved freedom, hey, they would be all about that. But here's Paul, and he's not even free in the way that they're interested in being free. But he talks to them about a kingdom that gives us spiritual freedom. You know what? People are flustered with the fact that we're not politically free even in America. We know we're, we're losing some of our freedoms. We can see it coming on the horizon. But it doesn't matter what happens to our Constitution. It doesn't matter about judicial activism. There is a freedom that no government or no one can take away from that, and that's our freedom in Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to relish, and that's what we need to reveal to other people as well. So when we talk to people, let's, let's point them to a king. Let me tell you about a kingdom where the freedoms are given by God and nobody can interfere with those freedoms. You can enjoy them every day. Freedom to walk with the Master, to have guidance, to be empowered by Him. Nobody can interfere with that. Paul was speaking of that kind of kingdom the spiritual realm. He was also speaking of a spiritual ruler. Not only did he preach the kingdom, but he also was teaching those things concerning who? What does it say? The Lord Jesus Christ. And again, not every time a reference to Christ that Jesus has made does it give all three words there, and it's never just accidental. Uh, definite emphasis here on the Lord in this way. If you hear Lord, you think about authority. If you hear the term Lord, you think about accountability. You're thinking about a ruler. And, of course, in the empire, there's like, well, there's no ruler except for Nero. He's, he's the head honcho. And so Paul wanted to make it clear, no, no. The main ruler that you need to be concerned about is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that Revelations 19.16 describes when John sees him, has his clothing, his vesture, and on the, the thigh portion of that clothing, it is, it is written, maybe it's like a, a embroidered perhaps, and it says, King of kings and what? Lord of lords. There are lords, there are masters that are human beings, there are kings, there are monarchs, there are political leaders. That's all well and good, but there's one who's over them all, and that is only the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's comforting because, you know, we have a hope and an intention, every one of us, of who we hope will enter perhaps the White House come November, well, January when the inauguration takes place. But you know, in the end, if it's not who you and I might vote for, we know that above that person, 
above whoever the leader is in some of these other countries like Russia, Turkey, Syria, Venezuela, China, North Korea. Those people may be sinister even. They may be, you know, very harmful to their own citizens. But there is still a Lord, a King over all of them. And God still keeps them in check. We need to speak to people about that. We need to point to them about that when they want to bring up, uh, what do you think about what's going on in the political world right now? You know, what do you think about what's going on globally here? Like, yeah, it's concerning. I'm so thankful that I serve the king who's king over all kings. They need to hear that from us. We need to also speak with spiritual resolve. That's what Paul does. Notice it says here that he said all this with all what? Confidence. There was an assurance about him. He wasn't cocky. But you know what? Paul never got over the way the gospel had impacted his life, what a change Jesus has made to him. He was convinced about it. Every day he got up to serve Jesus. He was focused on this. And so when he met someone else, he didn't have to hem-haw around about this. He was like, let me tell you about the wonderful change Jesus has brought forth in my life, and he will do it for you. Talking about unprecedented ministry and how that sometimes not only is that well, I guess I can serve Jesus under the circumstances. No, in fact, you will find that, like our missionary, that God will put you in that position for a unique ministry opportunity. I've enjoyed corresponding back and forth with a young man who had spent some time in our youth group. And later he drifted away from the things of the Lord. He made a profession of faith when he was a teenager, drifted away, stopped coming to church, got involved with all the wrong kinds of things, got involved in criminal activity. Now he finds himself incarcerated. But you know what? He, one of the first letters he wrote to me several months back, he shared how the Lord got a hold of him there in prison. He said that there was an event that happened where uh, some other inmate had tried to take advantage of him. And immediately all this anger, because he was a very angry young man, all this anger inside of him, all he could think about was how he could get even with this, this person that had, had uh, taken advantage of him and, I mean, to do extreme harm to him. And he happened to be just kind of spouting off like, you know, they might do in a place like that. And there was this elderly black man who had, had been put in prison and been there for many, many, many years, had several life sentences, no chance of ever getting out, never being paroled. But he, the Lord worked in this, this older black man's life, and he has begun to uh, serve Jesus. He came to know the Lord as a Savior and began to serve Jesus inside as an inmate. And all the other uh, inmates call him Unc, short for uncle. And he just very sweetly and very calmly began to talk to this young man about his anger and about the Lord. And it just began to melt him. And he said, you know, God used that to bring me back to that time that I had received Christ as my Savior. About how I'd wasted my life. 
and all the regrets. And here it was, this, this man who is stuck in prison. Now, he's there because he did some wrong things, probably some horrible things, and deserves to be in prison. Paul's a little different here. He hasn't committed any crimes, but he's still in prison anyway, isn't he? But either way, they're stuck. They're stuck there. And yet this man says, you know, I'm going to serve Jesus here throughout my days. I'm not looking to get out, not trying to make appeals to get my sentence overturned. I'm going to serve Jesus. And he was able to have a great impact on this young man who had come up through our ministry. Unprecedented ministry. You and I never know when we have to stay a little bit longer in the waiting area of the auto mechanics because it, you know, they had to order a part and you're sitting there. And rather than us fussing, you know, maybe the person sitting a seat across from us needs a conversation about Jesus with us. Did we ever think about that? That God stuck us there for a reason. And we need to be alert to those things. Paul didn't miss this opportunity. Not only did he have an unprecedented ministry, but like Paul, we may have an unrestricted ministry. Now, he couldn't just decide to go, you know, take a day trip over to Thessalonica or to take a voyage or whatever like that. But as far as being able to serve Jesus and give the gospel, no one was telling him, now don't you talk about that Jesus. He was able to do this. The Bible says here, no man forbidding him. The guards there, I mentioned this on Sunday, you know that guard, it might have been a different guard. They might have changed out. I'm sure they did. But I'm sure there was a rotation and they kept coming back in. How many guards got good, intense dosages of the gospel? And how many of them may be in heaven someday because of that? But they didn't say, you shut up about that, Paul. No. God worked in their hearts and allowed Paul to go on and speak. Even though he couldn't roam about going to synagogues and marketplaces, people were permitted to come to him and freely visit with Paul. And perhaps this gave Paul a better focus on the ministry. I mean, how good is this? I don't have to waste time going here and going there. I just sit right here and everybody comes to me. How good is that, right? I've often wondered that rather than bemoaning uh, how, you know, we've had to alter ministry during quarantine time and i and i do miss and i'm looking for the time that we can gather all together but i have noticed more and more people beyond our normal attendees here at anchor baptist church joining with us by live stream comments and indications by people that you know live in different parts of the united states have no idea who they are but every once in a while someone will say yeah we're watching and think, you know, I wonder if they'd been watching, wonder if they'd be listening if COVID wasn't going on, if the pandemic wasn't true. Some say that Paul was executed at the end of his two-year imprisonment and that Luke did not speak of his execution because to do so would have kind of ruined, kind of thrown cold water on the portrayal of the triumphant advance of the gospel. That's, that's one suggestion that's out there. Others say, well, Paul's case never came to trial because those people that were um, prosecuting him, 
you know, making the accusations against him, the Jewish people. They never showed up. And that's also possible. And in, according to Roman law back then, they would have up to 18 months to get there. And of course, these would have been the people from Jerusalem. They would have had to make a voyage over or travel by land or something like that. And so a year and a half is plenty of time. And perhaps they never came. He's like, well, we're not, we're not going to chase him all the way over to Rome. Luke expected his readers to understand that since a two-year period of detainment went beyond the statutory period for prosecution, perhaps Paul was released and let go. We're not told that, but maybe that's, that's what happened, some would say. However, during the storm at sea, we are told, if you look back at chapter 27 and verse 24, and this was just something that occurred to me, when they're in that, you know, that storm and the, and the ship's about to break up and everything like that, the, the angel of the Lord comes to Paul and says, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought, where? Before Caesar. So God is telling him, you are going to stand before Caesar. Well, I would say if God's telling him you're going to stand before Caesar, even though the Bible doesn't tell us it happened, it must have happened. At some point, Paul must have stood before Caesar. What was the outcome? We're not told. The Holy Spirit obviously didn't feel like it was important for us to know that. We are forced sometimes, though, to look elsewhere for information about Paul's Roman imprisonment and its aftermath, accepting the prison epistles as having been written during his Roman imprisonment, and that's what most people believe. Uh, for instance, Philippians, Philemon, those are prison epistles. Um, then Paul fully expected to stand before Caesar's court by, by things that he said in those letters. He could not be certain about the outcome, but he, but he did expect to be released. We won't turn there, but you can look at Philippians 1, verses 19 through 26, and then at the end of Philemon, verse 22, he makes a, a statement there. So there's little reason to doubt his intuition that he, in fact, did that. Therefore, we could date that he might have been released somewhere around 63 A.D., Maybe he was let go. And also accepting that the pastoral epistles are genuine. Um, we would believe that Paul's release from the Roman imprisonment, and maybe he continued his evangelistic work, going into the eastern portion of the empire, perhaps uh, at least the lands around the Aegean Sea. And we know at the end of Romans 15, verses 23 and 24, he expressed a desire to go to Spain. Well, maybe he did. And a little of the, some of this is speculation, I know. When we get to heaven, maybe we find out he had a fifth missionary journey. It wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Paul because he had a desire to spread the gospel to all the Gentiles he could. But since 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 18 speaks of an approaching second trial, it does mention that. And it has a kind of a tone of resignation, like Paul's surrendering at this point. It's not the original trial we're looking at here, but maybe he's been recaptured. Maybe something else has gone on. 
And he was probably rearrested, most people believe, around A.D. 67. That's what tradition holds. And that he was probably beheaded by order of Emperor Nero. And that that may have been how his life ended and he was promoted to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the point. When we are serving the Lord, the only restrictions that we have are the restrictions that the Lord puts upon us. The Lord can open a door and no man can shut it. And we need to understand that if, if, if you know, as we look at a, a history lesson, if we would, of Paul, at the end of his life and what's going on here, realize, you know what, he's unstoppable as long as God still has a use for him. And, you know, you and I are not the Apostle Paul, but we are the servants of Jesus Christ, aren't we? And so the same is true of us. We want to be faithful to the end. There are no barriers for the Christian who is doing the bidding of his master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Unrestricted. Nothing can hinder us from doing what the Lord... Yeah, but what about these stories that we hear that a church was trying to do this and the government stepped in with an ordinance? Well, God can stop that from happening. So we have to assume that God in his providence permitted that to happen. Does that mean you can't do anything to serve Jesus because you can't do that thing to serve Jesus? No, you say, okay, Lord, you close that door. What's the door you want me to walk through? How do you want me to serve you since obviously you're redirecting me another way? Rather than getting all bitter and upset with that, saying, okay, Lord, if you want me to come back here, you're going to have to open that door. In the meantime, I'm going to serve you over here. I'm going to do this. Because the gospel cannot be stopped when Jesus Christ is behind us. One other translation of the end of verse 31 says it this way, because this is the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God, by whom the whole world is to be judged. Now, that's not included in the inspired word of God. It may be that it was kind of added as a, as a note, kind of like, uh, how we have study Bibles, and maybe someone had added that in, and it became sort of a note that someone wrote triumphantly. While it's not inspired of the Holy Spirit, it sure is a truthful statement. You know, no one could hinder him because Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah, and all the world will be judged by him. A true statement. So, what are we going to do? Well, we're not writing our own book of Acts. But in a manner of speaking, there is the Acts of Carl Wood. There is the Acts of Bill and Jerry Winning. There is the Acts of Anchor Baptist Church. What are our Acts? How are we faithfully serving Jesus Christ? How are we carrying forth the gospel? Are we seizing the opportunities? Do we believe and do we understand that there is a door that when God opens it, no man can shut it. And that we need to be faithful to him to the end. So are we stuck? Not really. We are divinely placed. Placed in an opportunity. And we need the wisdom to not miss those opportunities when they come. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder to us through the Paul's example. That though sometimes things don't go as we expect. Sometimes we feel like we hit a brick wall. Nothing can stop us from serving you. 
We might just need to pray and say, Lord, give me wisdom to know how I'm supposed to serve you now. How I'm supposed to serve you differently. This wasn't what I anticipated. But obviously, you have something else in mind. Give me wisdom to know how to handle this so that I can be faithful to you, just as the Apostle Paul was up until the very end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.